welcome to another episode of Cultivate and Keep. I'm Corey. We got Jeremy with us, and we also have another special guest who will intro here in a second. Um, just really quick, wanted to say thanks for listening in. Quick announcement: also, we do, we are still working on our cultivateandkeep.com/favorites page of all of our favorite curate, uh, curated resources like books, podcasts, other websites. Actually, Chris, we'd love to have your input as well. We'll get some of that details later. Um, but more things we can add to the site. Uh, so once again, it's at cultivateandkeep.com slash favorites. And super excited to get going today. Jeremy, you want to give us a little intro? Yeah. So today we have Chris George. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Um, so I've known Chris pretty much my whole life. He is uh, one of my dad's good friends, um, kind of like a second dad to myself. So known him for a while and... Um, have a lot of respect for him and want to have him on the show. How's that for an intro? <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> really thought that one through. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we'll go through our regular questions to kind of get us started. Um, so, CG, tell us about kind of your upbringing, your family, how you grew up, um, all that good stuff. Grew up in San Diego. Um, grew up Catholic. Didn't come to know the Lord until I met Debbie, my wife, and... Um, moved i think i was counting the other day we did uh mm -hmm. weren't we're not in the military and moved 18 times in 18 years mm -hmm. wow you know uh, obviously not once a year but uh so had a little trouble making friends because i knew i was going to leave mm -hmm. so it uh, uh but all in east county primarily short stint to idaho and back so and grew up catholic you know, twice a year you know easter and christmas mm -hmm. now um i went to a workshop that you did at Foothills a few months ago, and you talked about um, kind of like your dad and how he raised you, and you made a few comments about like early on, like a few things that were kind of like ingrained in you um, about like being a man and what it means to be a father. And there was a comment you made about um, what was it like about someone's shoes and like how like uh, he, your dad saw someone with like a pair of shoes on, and he said like Chris, you know, whatever. Like I think he said, "Don't wear shoes like that," or "Your shoes matter." Like, what did he say? Tell me about that. That's surprising because that's like. 12 months it's over a year ago that 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 uh, and that you would remember it but oh, that I, was it's the funny. last retreat okay, yeah right. it was the last Got it was it. one before last and it's it's funny i you know i i think it's a year ago for you but i look back i think i was seven i'm 55 so that's 40 whatever years ago and we're coming out of the alpine inn and um this guy's walking out with his hands in his pocket and walking out the door doesn't hold the door for one so my dad's teaching me about holding the door two he's got his hands in his pocket as he's walking and, 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 you know, get your hands out of your pocket, stand up straight, uh, the whole nine with, you know, um, walking with confidence. My dad's trying to teach me. And then look at his heels because his heels were super worn out on the outside edge of his shoes. And he wore dress shoes. And uh, he says, you know, if you're in sales or if you're in uh, some form of uh, business that involves other people, you know, they judge appearance and uh, it looks like you don't take care of the details. Mm -hmm. And so that just stuck with me. Yeah. Um, the point I was making in that is just came up in a real performance environment and um, uh, that just stuck. I don't know. So it was a story I shared. Yeah. I mean, I asked that because um, in that like workshop, you talked a lot about um, like from a young age, like the way you, th uh, you thought about life and like work, um, like a big way of how you think now was framed by a lot of things your dad said. Um, w when you were younger and you kind of expanded a lot on that I'm not sure if you remember but I want to kind of start off with that kind of like hear about basically the way you think now the way you view work and being a man and providing kind of how was that shaped when you were younger and how has it changed as you kind of developed through high school and a young adult and now so I think the good side of that was that um, my dad always worked really hard my my um my mom worked hard, and so I learned that work ethic, and that was uh, has been super beneficial. It was uh, veiled in or sh and shrouded in um, a performance atmosphere, a performance sort of um, approval, if you will. So always striving, um, whether it was in sports or later in life in work, and then I found out in the relationships the negative side of that was um, it's you can perform your way into relationships – but you can't maintain them or you can perform your way into a job uh, by being somebody that can just excel out of the blocks and sprint, but you can't marathon and you can't, you're not in it for the long haul because inevitably um, life is very difficult and you're going to get gut checked. And so, um, you know, the, the, the talk was really about um, motives. I think it was called in, uh, called uh, the talk was called striving for humility, mm -hmm. which is a bit of an oxymoron of, um, 
every time I, I, I noticed in life my pattern where I was striving to accomplish something, um, maybe forcing a little bit or manufacturing um, circumstances or environment, or even I, I talk a lot about now um, uh, lying, right? Lying's a big one, whether it's uh, by omission or commission, and how we try to frame ourselves up into a certain perspective we want other people to see us and I just you know I, I I found that every time I was caught in that loop that pathetic loop of uh trying to uh, perform my way into um a um favorable appearance that uh there's always carnage that came along with that and so breaking that cycle and that was uh talk a little bit maybe covered a little bit later today but that was um some epiphanies that happened of um, why it just, it's, it's, you know, set down stuff and just the one thing, stop lying. Uh, I said to myself, either to myself or to other people about what I want them to think or what I uh, being, uh, being um, uh, aware of reality. Um, it just lightens the load. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm curious because um, I think a lot of guys can relate with like the, the performance side of things of always wanting to, to do good or being motivated, you know, by the appearance of success or that you're doing well, or, um, that you can impress someone like your father or like your boss or even your friends and just feeling like, uh, you know, a motivation inside of you to always want to, um, succeed. It, it's sort of a, a double edged sword sometimes, right? Where the performance side of things can really be a negative motivator and it can push you to to do things like, you know, lie or maybe puts you in a negative mindset or maybe just uh, the way that you handle yourself isn't the right way. Or like you said, maybe it's a sprint instead of a marathon attitude. In other ways, it could be used as maybe like a positive and that it's a great motivator and that it pushes you to do things maybe outside of your comfort zone or um, it maybe even pushes you to be better. Do you find a balance somewhere in that or, or how do you balance kind of the, the goods and, and bads of kind of the performance-based uh, motivations? I think if you unpack that a little bit, the, um, and I, you know, at 55, I, I've done it. I feel, I call myself a slow learner because it's taken me a long time to figure some of these things out. And one of the big, a couple of the big things in life that really just rocked my world about, you know, um, you think you're so smart positioning yourself to do this or do that and capitalize. Um, I found I want, there was compromise in that. And I, and I'm, and I'm thinking at the end of the day, my relationships and my reputation, um, I thought I could risk it and get away with something. And, and, and this is not like earth shattering stuff. This is, you know, speeding or uh, a corner in business or something like that. And I just found it it is completely not worth it. And God just rocked me in a couple of boxes where um, things were in jeopardy, right? Reputation. Um, um, and, and, um, my own integrity, uh, it just, it was like this mirror that got shown to me of that wasn't meant to cause malice or harm to anybody. That was just meant to maximize the situation. Um, but what we mean, our intentions and what reality is, or there's a f big gap and, um, and it basically came down to I didn't trust God. Hmm. And I have this, this statement that we all want to trust him until we have to. Hmm. And it, it um, you know, tried to override it and bring the human element into it. And I think talents, you know, if you're talented as a young man or even an older gentleman, that um, we rely on our talents too much than we do God and to work out the circumstances. So he just rocked me with that. It was like, hey, kid, you're not listening to me and you don't trust me and uh, I'm going to hmm. slow you down. And... So do you mind giving an example of, I think there's a few like I can think of, but do you mind like giving some examples of how that played out? Expand that a little bit. Well, I'm thinking of, um, that one business, I think it was a dealership you opened, um, probably 10 years ago. I think like I'm thinking about times where you have basically tried to hone in your own skills and God kind of pulling the reins back and saying like, now's not the time or trust me a little more. And kind of like when was a time where, where it basically didn't work out in your favor and you had to learn the hard way? So I, I've always had, or for the most part, I'm going to say always, I'll be, most of the time I've had favor and success in business. 
and and so in 19 in 2007 we moved back from Oregon from San Diego moved to or Eugene Oregon Cottage Grove and then moved back in 07 moved in 96 came back in 07 couldn't get a job down here had my life savings and um so multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars not millions but it was a lot of money I saved 40 years for this and I lost it all in about 18 months and so I opened this business uh, in the car business which I know the industry but um, I wasn't capitalized. The 07 recession hit. Um, just everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. And so I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm sitting there with my wife, Debbie. And we, we, you know, we shut the doors down. Uh, we, we got out of our lease, thank God. I owed about hundred grand in debt. And um, I lost everything I had. And um, so we're sitting in our garage. We put up these garage sale signs and we got stuff. Pick, just people, just loads of people picking through our our stuff, buying the things from the business and some of the things that we just said, hey, we need to sell to eat, you know, to pay rent. Wow. I was renting a house then, and um, that's 10 years ago. And I'm just thinking, you know, I, tr- I thought I got good counsel. I thought I heard mm-hmm. from God, and I was so far off the mark. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wasn't either honest with myself and I did get counsel. So I don't know. It's just life and its circumstances. But I knew I trusted my own abilities too much. So I did get input. Um, but it, it, um, but I'd never been out on my own. And I wasn't capitalized to the point I should have been to go do that. And um, I thought, yeah, I can do this. I, you know, I've done it before and not. So. I mean, I, I kind of want to unpack that because I'm in like a similar spot. You know, we've been... Um, like coming from a place of so me and my wife got married recently and now like taking kind of entrepreneurial steps and taking risks and so I'm super like fascinated to learn like what went wrong basically what could someone young like me avoid that you did but it sounds like you're saying you had counsel you had like it all looked good but it turned out not um are you saying it was because of just like life circumstances like life happened to you or do you feel like you possibly you know made a mistake and you should have gotten better counsel or where you're missing something, you know? So I, I was in the, so, you know, automotive retail and I was in the, the new car dealership side for a decade or better, a couple of decades, uh, whereas running stores. Mm-hmm. And, and so I came down, I can run this store. What I wasn't willing to do and what ultimately God brought me back to as I wasn't willing to go back to what it takes to build a business, like meet and greet that customer on mm-hmm. the asphalt. I would, you know, go buy cars and then I'd hire people to do this stuff. Uh, I should have ran it more like a, on a shoestring, you know, I should have tightened it up and, and I need to be able to rake back to, and I wanted to grow faster than I had the capital to grow. Uh, so I could live the lifestyle I was accustomed to living. Mm-hmm. And, um, in that striving to build it quicker and to, um, staff it up sooner than it could support it. Uh, it was a bad dis- dis- business decision. So, um, and, and a bad business practice because, and, and ultimately, you know, I wind up losing all my money and I wind up selling that, all the stuff out of our garage. I look over at Debbie and said, I, I got to go down and apply for a job. So I went down and applied for a job at uh, BMW South County and um, said, hey, can I sell cars? And, and went all the way. And I finally wound up getting raked back all the way to where I started, which selling cars, you know, 25 years earlier. Um, you may have, you kind of answered this, but what would you say to someone, like, what would you say to yourself, you know, 10 years ago, like now, what would you say to someone like wanting to take a step like you did? Um, like, how would you advise someone? The guy asked me the other day, we had coffee at Starbucks and he's saying, Hey, you know, what about this, this, and this? And I'm thinking that needs to be a side hustle. Hmm. So go get a job and make that your side hustle and you're going to grind it out. Make the idea of the side hustle. Make the idea of the side hustle and do that for you know, like Corey's starting his, his web, he's got his job and he's doing this after hours. He built it on Saturday or whatever you did that in your, you know, that's your side, that's your grind on the side. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, don't have illusions of grandeur because things takes twice as long mm-hmm. as you think they're going to do. And we're going to make mistakes. Uh, but you know, especially if you're married and you have some responsibilities, you, you got to provide, right. You got to put food on the table and pay the rent and mm-hmm. do the deal. So make that the side hustle. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was jump, just going to say, it, it reminds me of uh, something I heard recently, but I just, it's like, it's so simple, concise. Someone just said, hope isn't a strategy. I think that's where like so many of us go wrong in so many different ways. It like, I mean, it cascades even beyond business, but 
you, know, you get excited about something or you think you can and you get wrapped up in your own talents or ambitions and you think I can go do that or I can take this leap or I can take this risk. Um, it's worth it. It'll work out. I'll figure it out. But hope, you know, it, it really doesn't pay the bills. It really doesn't uh, work out every way that you want it to um, always. And so you have to be very realistic. You need to have the counsel. You need to have the things in place, but also you need to, like I said, de-risk it. You know, it doesn't have to be your full-time thing all the time where it doesn't have to be the most, you know, kind of uh, romanticized risk and crazy story in the end. It can be a very conservative, thought out, kind of step-by-step slow process mm-hmm. um, and you get a, a maybe a better result in the end, but that's a good story. Yeah. appreciate you sharing. Um, I wanted to ask about like the, I guess the time frame and the process for climbing back up. Cause you said, you know, that was like a pretty big failure and then you went back and got a job. So what was like, how long were you, you know, how long were you a floor salesman to kind of where you are now? Like how long did that process take? It seemed like forever in the time. So I can remember going to work every day and it's so thankful I had the job and not really sure how I was going to make ends meet and, and pay the bills. And within 12 or 14 months, I was running a dealership again. It was just completely out of the blue, 2010, November 17th. I remember the day uh, that I get offered the job to run a store again, a new car franchise in California, which I couldn't get that job for the three previous years trying to get it. And so um, was that there's Kia? an 18-month eight, gap of, um, say again. Was that at Kia? At Kia. Where you started? Yeah. Were exactly. you working at Kia or no? No, that, no. I was working for uh, uh, another group in town um, for their Toyota store and their Honda store. And um, the same company that owned the BMW store, they transferred me. And um, I knew the guy that, uh, and so that job working for the Toyota Honda store took me to Palm Springs, knew the guy from Oregon that bought a store in Palm Springs. And I happened to run into him when I was down there because I was doing work for these other stores. Mm. And he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, you know, waiting and looking, Mm. being patient, you know, doing what I need to do right now. He said, well, call me if you ever have an idea and driving by and this Kia store went up for sale and it sold and it fell out of escrow and I heard it fell out of escrow. I called him and I, I said, hey, it's available. He said, I'll be right down. I'll look at it. So he flew down and said, will you run it? And I said, you going to buy it? And he said, yeah, if you run it. So that was it. Hmm. But that was 18 months of like desert, right? Wilderness walking and um, pretty um, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful in so many boxes uh, looking back that, um, and then God's restored, right? God is over time, um, restored, but it's, uh, yeah, that Matthew principle stuff, you know, are you willing to grind it out? And so you were doing what, like a job you didn't want to do. Were you making decent money or were you guys like barely skating by, um, with that sales job? Um, I didn't think it was doing okay. You know, I, I, I was putting in the hours and I was selling some cars and, um, but God just gave me favor and he blessed, you know, we stayed faithful with tithing, tithing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he just blessed and provided. Mm-hmm. There wasn't this massive abundance, but it was way more than what I thought I was making. And it's what we needed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then doors opened up through that. Yeah. So, um, it was so humbling to go back to the sales floor after being a general manager of yeah. a multi-million dollar facility. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, uh, he provided in every box. Yeah. Um, also wanted to ask, how did you manage like, that letdown with like Debbie and with like the family, like how do you, you know, share with your wife kind of like what happened? Um, like basically like you, the whole opportunity kind of being squandered. Like how do you manage that with, with your wife? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to put myself yeah. in your shoes. So I, I wouldn't say it wasn't, I wasn't off golfing and, and, hmm what can we say on this podcast screwing around i was you know (laughs) i was working so um i wasn't doing everything i should be doing in every box it'd be like your dad in the landscaping business having to go back to mowing lawns yeah so i wasn't i you know i wasn't out there face to face and so i was working day in and day out and doing the deal and she saw that and um she's gracious for one um and two, it's like, um, I, th- I think there was grace because I, I was truly like, um, undone. God just, just did this work in my heart and, and, uh, just really got to me at my mm-hmm. core of who my identity was. And so, uh, I think in that, uh, she was just gracious in that. Mm-hmm. So I thank God for that. Yeah. 
I'm not sure, Corey. I've kind of been asking a lot, so <laughs> let yeah. you jump in. Well, I mean, speaking of Debbie, um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you guys met, how you got married? I think you sort of mentioned briefly that, you know, she was maybe part of the reason or, or looped into how, uh, you know, you also became a Christian as well. Do you kind of just want to back us up into uh, your marriage? We both um, were in a wedding together. She met uh, this girl in high school, and uh, this girl she met and my best friend, so I was the best man. She was in the wedding party. And um, she just uh, graduated from college, lived in Hollister. She wanted to move down to San Diego. Or she moved down to San Diego. And then we wound up moving in together. And um, about, I don't know, somewhere between, I think a year, my time might be a little off, we wound up um, um, going to church and getting saved. And um, After you were married. Or after after we were married, okay. got engaged got saved both real close to that became christians moved out from being living together hmm. to be separate got absolute blowback from the parents because it's like this doesn't make any sense uh, and both sides are catholic and um and so anyways wound up um just really getting plugged in and and um so got met, got married and got introduced uh through through our friends and being in that wedding together and then came to the lord and then and they got plugged in and walked that deal out. So, hmm. yeah. So they introduced us, actually, and then we were both in the wedding party. Wow, that's, that's we amazing. Married. So, I mean, how did you end up going to church and getting plugged in? And, I mean, what was the experience like to being Catholic and then going to, uh, I'm assuming, a, a Christian church and then becoming a Christian? And, and what the kind of transition of faith was like? God sees are interesting, right? So I'm, I move out of my house when I'm, I, I can't remember, 21 or 2, and um and i move in and i have this roommate and um he's a christian going to horizon and then i got nothing i I want nothing to do with that i wound up meeting debbie and um if i back up a little bit um i'd ask this guy greg what about this what about that i'd start asking questions he said you ought to go so i went back to horizon back in the day when miles was high school pastor up there and mike mcintosh was the pastor so I tried that a couple of times, and this, there's like something here, right? This is real. And then when Debbie and I um, were introduced and we were living together, and, and one day I woke up and I said, you know what? We need to go to church. And and wasn't a Christian, but just knew. I was convicted, and um, she said, okay, let's go to a Catholic church. I said, hold on. Let's. <laughs> well, actually, I think we actually did. We tried We tried mass at a couple places. Um, it's like. Never mind. So, um, and then we wound up going to Horizon, and, and then that from there on it stuck, and that's how we both came to the Lord. Hmm. So, wow. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious, too, because uh, it, it seemed like there was there was seeds, right? You said that God kind of plants them mysteriously, and but you didn't want anything to do with them. I mean, what was the change of heart to where you were convicted or you, you woke up one day and you felt like this needs to be a part of our lives or there's something here I mean, what do you think that God was doing in your heart? What were you experiencing that you knew, like, we need this? There's something real here. I don't know how to duplicate it, but there are two times in my life. One day after I met Debbie in, in that wedding, I woke up and I knew I was going to marry her. That was one. And the second thing, when we're, as we're living together, one day I just woke up and I just knew. I knew we were supposed to be at church. And so there was no bells or light opening coming through the clouds or anything like that it was just like um i i know this is wrong hmm. and um deep down and i can and, and coming up catholic the, you didn't there was like no exposure to that right they, they didn't talk about um stuff we talked about in church about relationships and staying pure and all that so it um it was foreign to me but i knew it was wrong so yeah um that's how we wound up going yeah I, it's so interesting to me like how the Lord speaks and convicts people in such different ways. You know, for some, they fight and they struggle, or it's just a really long, arduous process of years and years and years of in and out. Um, and then for some, maybe people more who are more decisive, or it's just how God calls you. You know, it can be the day that you wake up. I think we all have different, like, uh, proclivities or propensities to do certain things. I have been so slow to learn in the business field. I've, I, if, to me, it seems so slow. Um, and we're in that, in the, in the relationship with God and in us going to church, it was, it was that like one day to the next. Um, but this has been like a lifetime and I don't feel like I'm done. We're yeah. just working out the places where I'm holding on too tight. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious, I mean, with all your business experience, you know, going from, uh, managing, you know, whole dealerships to selling on the floor. I mean, what do you think that your like strengths are? And I'm also curious too, if you can back up a little bit about like how you got into the business or why, you know, why be in this business and, um, what attracts you to it? So I, I, I went to work straight out of, uh, I went to two years of Grossmont, at Grossmont Junior College, C&D student, uh, played baseball, wasn't good enough to go pro, and knew, realized that, and then said, hey, I need to go to work. My dad was in the car business, so I got a job at a store he used to work at because I knew some of the guys changing oil. And um, I saw the lifestyle, so I saw what afforded some of them, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to go to school and I can make, make some money. And so, and I worked hard at it when I was young, so I was relatively proficient at it. And, um, and then it just evolved into like one of the greatest businesses in the world being you get to solve people's problems in the transportation arena. Um, whether it's getting financed or, Hey, I'm looking for this car or Hey, my son needs this car or whatever. It's just, you get to interact with people on a level that is, is fun and, and be a part of something that's the second business investment in their life for most people. And, um, so the people became the big part of it. Now I don't know much about cars, but I know a lot about people and I love marketing. And so marketing mm. and promotion, and then, um, really the, 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 the relationships that can be formed. We have these guys, I would have these customers come in like every week and have coffee, right? We'd sit down and have coffee and hang out. And, um, some of my heroes and, and one of them's passed on now, but it would be, it's like life and community. So it being as a kid, I can remember how cool it'd be in, to be in the Mother Goose Parade. Now, silly, silly, right? <laughs> and people that don't live in El Cajon are going, what the heck's a Mother Goose Parade? But um, I'm thinking, hey, be part of the community, be able to contribute, be a supporter, and um, provide jobs. And then the people that work for you, you know, are driving the community. They're buying houses and having kids and building families. And that's the part, I think, the community part that really intrigued me. Huh. Yeah, super interesting. I'm curious too because, um, you know, with, with all the different personality types, and this is something you know that you've introduced, I think both of us to about you know what your strengths are, strength finders, uh, like I said, just different kind of tendencies or the way that you know that, that you operate. I mean, how do you feel like? Where do you feel like you fit in this type of business? Like, what do you bring to the table that you know makes you so intrigued with people and maybe the psychology behind it or? Uh, but also like, you know, what's your style? I, I guess I'm kind of asking if I, I'll, I'm going to try to answer th There's two things that I'm just super passionate about. One's people's potential. So I started out, you know, I think I spent the first, my twenties looking for a mentor and, and really, cause I wanted to, I wanted to uh, live up to my potential. I felt like I had more inside of me and I wanted to do more and I couldn't find anybody to to learn from or glean from. So as I've aged and I've said, you know, I see a lot of young guys with just tons of talent, right? Sitting in there. Latent talent's just a waste, right? It's like, all right, how do we get that out of there? And so that is like, so how do you do that? And I think doing that through business, you used to do it when you're in high school in sports, right? You'd play sports together, basketball, football, baseball. And you guys, you know, it's this fraternity that you won together, you lost together, you grew together, you matured together, you accomplished together. And, and now to me, it's in the world of business and, and relationships and community. And so that's really, it's, can we, you know, hire somebody that is, um, you know, at po whatever point they are in their life. And can we, can, can we help facilitate to get them better? Can we challenge them with some questions mm -hmm. to reach their potential? Uh, I, to me, it's like watching your kids grow up and actually mature and grow and second from that in in the family i don't know anything more rewarding yeah yeah does that answer the question yeah yeah definitely i mean that's such a um an interesting perspective especially as someone who does hire and employ a lot of people because i think most uh or most from an like an employee's perspective i think that most people view their boss as like i'm just here to get my job done or just to kind of fill a spot maybe for most employers too they might think well, I just need a job done. Here's what you do. But to actually think of hiring someone as I'm going to help you in your journey in life, not just in this job, in this setting, or just getting this thing done. Okay, it's done. Here's your check. But also, how can we build you? How can we improve you? How can we help you realize your potential? Um, where do you think that 
I mean, was that something that you've always had or is that something that developed over time? So I can't, if I, if I, um, go back to, so my exposure at Horizon and Debbie and that whole story of coming to the Lord was really two years prior to that. I had a guy invite me to an Amway convention and I, I was super interested in that for a number of reasons, which we can, doesn't really matter. But so I went to this deal and the guy that on Sunday morning gives an altar call. It's a business meeting, how to build the business, you know, how to get your wife home from work, et cetera. I'm intrigued because, you know, I, for a number of other reasons, but he gives us altar call the next day and I wind up actually accepting the Lord there at an Amway convention. <laughs> and then it gets reinforced. So that was one of the seeds. It gets reinforced at, at Horizon. And, um, but he, I remember him talking about, you know, being willing to do the work, right? So as men, I think being willing to, it's not buying the business Jeremy just did or you launching the, the business you just launched a couple Saturdays ago, or even the 50 second podcast you guys are doing, it's the process, right? That that's forging into you guys. Like you can do this if you stick in it for the long haul. Hmm. Um, and, and, and you're not really sure how strong you are or what you're really made of until we walk through the, those hard things together or even independently. Um, and so in that, I watch these young men or women that grow and have this potential and have a bit of a hunger. And, um, maybe didn't have the tools or the platform. And I've been fortunate to be put in place where we can hire them and teach them and train them. And hopefully some of it sticks where they have tools and a platform to find out what their gifts are so they could thrive. I just, I don't see anything better than that. I mean, at the end of the day, over the next 15 years, if all we do is sell cars, we're going to come up way short and fail hmm. if we don't invest in people or you rent tables or you do, you know, whatever in social media marketing, social marketing. Um, if we don't, you know, if it's not the relationship and add value in relationships, we're just going to come up way short. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where do you see, how do you, I mean, one of the things I'm really curious about, I'm sure Jeremy is too, and in the world of business, I mean, you know, Corey, you are really curious. You know, like, I am really curious always. <laughs> and I always, have to you always start with that. I'm, I'm really curious to know, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of guys are in the world of business and I think basically everyone is in some capacity because you have a job and jobs are the product of a business. Um, where do you see the intersection of faith and business and how, how does that play a part in the way that you see the world of business and, and do business with other people? We're, we're at, um, if you're in most jobs, you're going to be, if it's full time, you're 40 hours a week, right? You're 173 hours a month and, um, or more. And so we've got, you know, eight hours of the prime time of the day that we're, we're, we're spinning with people that aren't our family or friends or close friends. And, um, so I know somebody that, um, through work has, um, just morphed, just completely, uh, people that have gone to church, prayers have been answered, um, reconciliation um gotten out of financial trouble not from what they've earned but from some decisions so there's this like opportunity to live life uh next to each other and, and so the kingdom you know part of work is um you know walking next to somebody across the parking lot and just and getting real real quick back to the lying thing back to the transparent and back to the vulnerability you guys are better at it than most you ask good questions but it's it's um, being able to get stay real and get real quickly, and um, and and encourage others that get, it gives them permission to do the same with you. So there's opportunities for ministry mm -hmm. all over the place, and and so all that time at work, there's just like this. We're praying. We just started praying for the store, right? Like nine weeks ago, we started praying on Friday mornings, eight o'clock. And like okay, the management team or well, whoever wanted to come, a couple of people invited. So there's somewhere between five and eight people that show up every week. Um, I don't invite because I felt like, hey, that might be pressure. So you guys can come or not. And it's on work time. And um, but we inevitably wind up playing for this lady's kids and this lady's marriage and hmm. this, you know, young man's best friend that just died and her his family that's left behind. Um, and it's it's like it's the people. Right. The business is the people. Yeah. The community is the people. I also wanted to ask um, kind of along the same lines, but how do you balance like 
I would say like integrity like in the workplace because I mean you're so you like manage you know a team of salesmen and um, I feel like the car business is notorious for like kind of I mean you could sell clients cars or services services that, that they don't need right like so how do you like manage a team of non-believers to kind of do the right thing when it matters especially when it means like earning less money how do you how do you do that so that there's a in on the used cars it's super easy and we implemented this about five years ago there's a uh, um a tool that we used can i can tell you what every 2015 toyota tacoma selling for up to a thousand miles with this amount of money. And so we price ourselves to be in the top five best price, um, period. And so um, all my all my issues, it was really hard before. It was really hard um, because he, you would um, run into those uh, disparities in pricing. Now it's on this like even playing field. And I think the internet's helped that because it gives people power and information. Uh, so, so we do that and we actually share that up front. Or we're supposed to share it up front. So that that does it. So you got to stick to that. Then we put limits on some of the other products that could be really exorbitant. Or you could. And so we put these maxes on it. And if they, you can't exceed the max. And then on the new car side, there's so much information. It's just, um, um, I don't know that it's self-governing. But it's better because of um, uh, that you can find the invoice. You can find true car and what the average car is selling for. And so it's sort of governed in our industry mm-hmm. um that's a whole different question though from um like how, how do we treat people and build relationships and value what i value because mm-hmm. there's five six specific values and not everybody does so that'd be shangri-la you yeah. know that's the goal i also want to ask you um i know a lot of people like go to you to, to buy cars because they know you and i'm imagining a lot of people look for deals or hookups um and wanting to buy a car and so i find myself now in a pretty similar spot like a lot of people getting married and wanting hookups on <laughs> wedding stuff and i've never thought it'd be hard but it's really hard to, like find that balance between like helping someone but at the same time like like i have to eat i have to make money you know and so like what's that balance of like doing favors and you know giving discounts and what's the balance of like making money when it comes to pe- people that you know it's a great question so recently i had somebody from church say hey they're looking for this, you know, what can I buy it for? And I said, Hey, we took this car in and what I'm good with personally. And it took me a long time to get there. Well, there's two, two measurements is one knowing the market. Like, so if I take in a Toyota Coma that's worth 20 grand and I take it in for 15, there's nothing and it's worth 20 grand. There's nothing wrong selling for 20. But if I take it in for 22, I'm not going to ask 24. I'm going to ask 20. I made a mistake. I either made a good buy or I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I'm good with whatever the market is plus 500 bucks. So, and I just tell them, I said, I'm going to make $500. Um, and frequently we, we take stuff in on the market. So there's exceptions. So you could pick this apart, but there's this particular car. We put four grand in it. I said, you can have it for $4,500 plus whatever it needs in the shop tires are, and you can govern when it govern what it needs. So now my hands are clean, right? You know, and, and, and that's the market on the car. Um, so whatever that stuff rents for or in my business, whatever it sells. Hey, I, I don't want to buy a warranty or maybe your pro warranty or not in the auto business because, well, your dad's not anti-warranty, right? So that's cool. Six out of 10 people buy them. And I tell that when customers come in that six out of 10 people buy them. It's just like insurance, you use it, you're going to get your money back. You don't use it, you're not going to get your money back. So if you got the three or four grand to fix a car when that happens, then don't buy it, right? Save your money because you may not need it. If you're concerned about that and you want to put it in your payment or you want to pay for it, then do it. So just being what would you do, right? What, what would you do? And um, I'm good at a nickel, and I know businesses need to make money. So we don't win them all, and that's the effort we try. So we really try to just be clean so nobody's second guessing what they did that's a good idea that's really good um i want to switch gears a little bit and uh this is something that i think that you've really instilled in me especially but i know for jeremy and but it's also been more like you know that his dad has done for him too but on the planning side of things and uh having goals thinking long term and sort of strategically um i don't know how, how, what's your process for planning and for setting goals and, and how do you think about it for yourself? 
So I'm I'm in a I would say an unusual. It's always been like every year. Here's your list of goals. Here's your list of books, and let's go to work. And two years ago, I think I did. It was 48 or 49 books. Super frustrated though because I can't retain any of it or very mm-hmm. little. So the the this last year. It's because you're getting old, Chris. <laughs> that is true, Ginkgo. So this last year is like I'm going to read five or six and I'm going to really study them. So I I started changing that. Um, but it's the same, and, and, and as the season changes, the stuff evolves. So once, um, the same deal is, is you know, make a list of goals. I'm, I'm working on something right now. Make a list of goals at the beginning of the year. I actually like doing it in October, so it's not all full of hype, and you can kind of think it out. Um, uh, what I'm working on right now is, is uh, it's called a future authoring program, and it's actually by Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. Hmm. So you write about your past, you write about your present, you write about your future. And it's just kind of changing, you know, what do you want to be instead of what do you want to get? Or what do you want to do instead of, um, uh, which, which could be lose 10 pounds or it could be, you know, I want to, you know, go, go to Italy and walk across Italy like Dan did. Um, so that, that, that's been one of the practices as of recent. So still a big book list, you know, always ears out for books. Um, fascinated by Peterson right now and, and his 12 rules for life. Um, so YouTube, YouTube almost every day one of the things i try to do every day is uh luke 252 it it says uh and jesus grew in in wisdom and stature and favor with god man so wisdom knowledge stature physically favor with god which is relationship with god our and so speaking to us right and then relationship with man and so in those four boxes Hmm. um to invest in those four boxes daily because cumulative over time it just compounds um even if it's 10 minutes so even 10 minutes of physical or even 10 minutes, you know, quiet time, prayer, meditation. Um, and you couple that, the Luke 452 verse with uh, rule number eight is don't lie or at least tell the truth in, in Peterson's book. You couple with that two things would be game changer for the year. So hmm. I think the the 10 minutes in each box keeps you growing, growing and progressing and relevant and uh, also stimulates ideas because you get to um, the reading creates uh conversation and activity in uh the learning realm yeah so for two young bucks like jeremy and i 24 early in our careers ambitious you know not really where we want to be like still you know there we see the the hill ahead of us and you know we i think we have an idea of the goals or the places we want to be what would your advice be for someone like us and in our ability to plan and, and try to work to get there so I don't know, we haven't talked in a while, so somebody that could speak into your life in those four boxes, or one person that could speak in all four or four people, but I think at the end of the day, and um, for guys to um, be intentional in those four arenas, most guys are one-dimensional, right? They're, they're, they're maybe two at best. They're really good relationally um, and maybe, maybe uh, physically, but they're horrible in business or have no spiritual life, or you're really spiritual and you have no financial, hmm. um, you're not thriving in the financial arena because um, we're not working on it, right? I mean, so those four things, if there was 10 minutes in each of those boxes as a daily diet um, to affirm your wife, to affirm your kids, to affirm those that you love, um, your friends, right? To to the invest in, in, in your spiritual relationship with the Lord, physically and then something in business some either your extreme ownership or your pick something in business that um you can press into you do anything for 10 minutes a day and do four of that you're done before if you're up at six you're done before six forty-five, and um that consistently over time does a couple of things it makes you grow you can't stand still you cannot grow internally and stand still externally it's just not possible. Hmm. There's obviously seasons and rhythms, but if you're growing internally with ideas and knowledge and leadership concepts and you, 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 you have uh, the activator trait you guys do, you guys think of things and you do them, you have that activator trait, uh, you can't stand still externally and grow internally. So that cumulative effect in those four boxes will round you out as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a son, or as a daughter. Um, in, in ways that um, make make life full, so yeah, yeah. 
I like that answer because um, something that I've been thinking about is like it, it's really good to to cast the vision or you know uh, to think about the things you want to do or be or places you want to go, but also like you need the the daily like let me just take this tiny microscopic step towards that every day. And like, what are the things I can do every day to get there in, you know, five, 10, 15 years? Um, because in reality, it's not like these really big leaps and bounds that get us to where we want to be. It's just daily kind of grinding it out, the habits, you know, the things that you do that are really these tiny steps that just um, compound over time. Um, so I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to kind of get you going on um, like this topic of, like male leadership and you know, you've been talking a lot recently about like as the the male as the man rises the family rises and as the man falls the family falls um i want to hear your thoughts like just kind of share what's on your mind about that it's a moral we have a we have a moral responsibility this is a peterson to be everything we were built to be and there is such um, discouragement, shame, guilt, frustration, um, self-imposed and others-imposed on, on, on men from their wives, from their moms, from pick something, from society right now, of um, where we have, we have retracted into um, almost being irrelevant in the eyes of many, and we 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 were we are responsible to to lead, and we're responsible to be strong, and we're responsible. We 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 need to produce. We need to progress, and um, if we're not rising as a dad or a or a husband, then. It's hard anyways because of just the nature of what's going on in society and, and how they affect the, the women in the, in the house. It's like I, I said recently, I said, you know what? We as men don't need to go home and compete in our own house. And so, but we've abdicated and we've sedated ourselves with um, maybe it's TV, maybe it's pornography, um, um a sexually deficient house you're gonna either have porn or you're gonna have masturbation neither of them are good both bad not good outcomes um maybe it's xbox maybe it's softball games at 40 years old you know and none of that not none of that softball games at 40 is not bad but disproportionately so you know back to the one-dimensional growth issue or, or you know hey i'm a weekend warrior and that's all i do that's bad. That's a that's in somebody in their extended adolescence still reliving high school, and that's bad. And so, we need to rise up and and as and to be productive and to be powerful and to progress and to impact. Um, and it's hard when you're not respected at how at the house, or if you're, you know, blended marriages. Super hard, right? You can't talk to my kids this way. You can't discipline the her kids and they're his kids. Very, very, very difficult. So not insurmountable, but definitely not easy. And the whole concept with Peterson that I love so much is life is suffering. And and you probably are not going to be less fearful of what you're fearful now, but you could get braver by facing the fears facing the things that, that, that you struggle with. And so just from the sedation standpoint, if we just, you know, um, I, I saw in your book list, right, a great book is Atomic Habits. You know, take the TV off the wall if you can't stop watching it. Uh, unplug it and only plug it in if you know what program you're going to watch so we don't <laughs> default to just mindless numbing over time. So that whole concept, again, go, so go to Luke 2.52, if I did those four things every day, if I did them for 30 days, so anybody that's listening and said, I'm going to do that for 30 days, I'm going to get up at six instead of seven, I'm going to get up at five instead of six, and did those four things 10 minutes each. Walk till you sweat 10 minutes, five minutes out, five minutes back, and do 10 minutes in prayer and meditation, and did 10 minutes in, in affirmations to, or, or, or something that would build your relationships in your family, and then 10 minutes in the business field. You would transform 
um, how you looked and felt about life. And you would start to feel like, and then you could start to accelerate stuff. You take the concept where, hey, we're going on vacation. The day before we go, we can get so much done. We're so efficient because we are laser focused. So the laser, we can't run at that 24-7, but we could run it with the consistent little things that you said earlier, Corey, of the 10 minute, 10 minute, the, the four things, because that thing cumulatively will accelerate uh, our results. At the same time, you shut down the negative things, right? The, the stuff that's sedating us into a numbness because we don't want to re- deal with reality, alcohol, drugs, et cetera. That is, and so we're deficient in that. They're just, we, as a society, society, we're deficient. It's not a respected uh, spot in the, the um from mo- no, I was going to say for most women that's probably that's not an accurate statement but there's many that don't uh respect the man there's many or the role of the father and it's critical it's so even you just talked about this last week in church um <clears throat> sorry thought my mic was off <laughs> um that's good thank you for sharing um, when I was at that workshop that you did, I think three weeks ago, I think I told Corey, but I was like super inspired by just kind of what you said. Um, I think you're dead on, especially about like competing at the home, like with your wife. I mean, I've only been married six months now, but I can totally, like when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, he's like dead on that totally happens. I think I shared that with you too. And you were like, yeah, like, um, I, I've seen myself like competing with Connie with like small, silly things that don't matter. And so I can, I think I can understand like. I mean, imagine throwing kids in a mix 10, 15 years down the road, how that can complicate and be so much more of like a bigger issue. So I think you sharing that is like good to ponder and think about. Um, so thank you for being being real. One um, thing one thing on that before you move on. Mm-hmm. That all right? Yeah. Is um, I think, well, for me, I I had I made a transition from needing my wife's approval and needing her acceptance. And I felt like I needed her love and attention to wanting it. And I think the difference from that in that, it'll still create conflict if it's not there. So this is not like, hey, it goes away. But need is a victim mentality. And I, and I did that myself. I, and and, and I, I said, I'm not going to do that. I want that. And I'm going to be honest enough to tell her, hey, these are some of the things I need or want in our relationship and, uh, and then and engage in a conversation not out of something that just triggers me to get into this um, state where I only respond out of anger, where it's like confronting what is true, right? I mean, there's certain things that I want in our relationship and um, moving from that otherwise i'd let it stew and bake and marinate and it would sit in there and it would fester and i can't tell you how many guys at 50 55 60 were boof the wife's gone the husband's gone because that stuff does not get dealt with um and i think it happens when we're 25 or 4 where you guys are because that it's it's like and the other thing is i think we love it especially men and women love it different like how I love Debbie and how she loves me and not the love languages thing, but just to be able to communicate. And when you start talking about, I want your love or I want your acceptance, or I want you, you know, uh, intimacy in the bedroom or pick something. Those are like vulnerable spots, um, that we could be, we put ourselves out there and we could be rejected, right. By some, our closest person in life to us now. Um, uh, so not for the faint of heart, but so necessary to shift uh, so we don't play the victim, and and we address that head on. Just I think it's an important distinction. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for yeah. sharing. Um, do you want to start to wrap up soon? With a few more questions, Corey. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. I want to ask this question. Um, how would you say you have grown or changed personally, just kind of over time? Maybe more recently. Like, what are some, just some things that have changed in the way you think? So I can repeat what Debbie told to me recently is how. Um, Growing up performance-based and trying to build a business and trying to grow it, it was always um, setting goals, planning, um, um, expanding, uh, which are all things are good, but relationships got in the way. Either people would get in the way or relationships are both. And so 
I created a lot of carnage. And, and so God really revealed that to me in these last two situations where um, I value the relationship as more than the um, outcome. So how, how to, and, and, and so back to the reputation and back to um, humanizing the, the, in the workplace, right? Specifically, but it affected my wife too. So, mm-hmm. but in the, is it where, so I've really felt like it's shifted my heart where I'm more gracious, a little bit more tolerant, slower to um, firm with people, but slower to, um, to some of the things I did just, I would just go right through people if they were in the way, what the goal was mm-hmm. and that uh, that's not healthy. And then, and my wife paid for it cause I was just so driven mm-hmm. and, um, by the grace of God, she's still with me. Um, if you could go back to have a heart to heart talk with the 18 year old CG, what would you tell him? I have a guess. Patience. Yeah, I don't know if you're 18 and you can have patience. It's a good point. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know about being 25 having patience, huh, Corey? No, zero <laughs> patience. The other thing I don't really believe in, I heard it in the conversation today, is balance. I don't really believe in balance either. But what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I just don't think you 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 <coughs> balance things. I mean, I think there's seasons, and um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to try to balance my schedule. You, you, and Covey's got the perfect one, first things first, right? Stephen Covey, is you put in the big, you put in the four things, all the other stuff's gravel and sand. If you put in the four things, everything else is gravel and sand. So you might take your 10 minutes in the four boxes, but when it comes to relationship, to edifying and, 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 and blessing your wife, that because it, it's dinner or flowers or a book or a card, it might be a half hour, right, that day, Um but I, I just think it's those four boxes. Balance is it's like a, the other thing I said in that workshop. So I think that's a misnomer, right? It's a wrong paradigm is, is work on the four things. The other thing I said, I think it was uh, um, actually looked it up, is find the thing you love and you never work a day in your life. I'm thinking that that's crazy. That's the craziest statement on the planet. <laughs> who came up with that? So I don't know anybody who, who does that. Whoever does that is a lucky and blessed man or woman. God's speed, but the 99% of the rest of us, we're going to get up and it's going to, we're going to toil and that's the deal. So I think that is a misconception out there. So the two things I'd say is don't lie, right? Don't lie, Chris, don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to, don't try to be pretend to something, try and pretend to be something you're not to validate yourself or, um, and, um, the men, the mentor, yeah, let somebody speak into your life. Hmm. So it's uh, those two things. Because you're going to be impatient at 18, 20, 25, or 30. But you got a guy that's 30, 35, or 40. He's going to be able to speak. He's going to be able to give his perspective. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What are the uh, books that you gift or recommend the most? Or if you, you can only pick a few, you know, which are the ones that are the must-reads? Um, extreme Ownership. Um 12 Rules for Life by Peterson. And then um, I really like, it's hard. It's a hard read. Uh, two of them I really like is uh, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People and um, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Hmm. Those, f- those four really hung up on Peterson's book right now. And then, and then uh, obviously Jocko's book is just, uh, that's solid stuff. And he and Peterson just did an interview together. If you haven't seen it on YouTube, you should check it out. I have solid, solid stuff about being fearful in life. And you read uh, his whole book, right? Peterson's couple times. Really? Because huh. it's like the Bible, right, Corey? I mean, it's it's, it's thick. It's, it's dense. Definitely thick. That's why I haven't read it. It kind of scares me away. <laughs> so I got about halfway through and then I stopped. I think I might have just I was reading like one chapter like every other day, you know, just kind of like blowing through it. And I think I just burned myself out, out a little bit. Um but I'm curious also, like, you know, why those books or what about them that you feel like so strongly about them? It's like the epitome of, I think, whatever every dude says, like, like, well, Jocko is like the extreme ownership is like 
you know, a man's man, right? Facing fears and in conquering new territories and literally defending our country and leading these people at such a high level of there's an area of what is perceived. I don't know them, but what I read and what I sense where it's like I'm responsible for that. Is nobody else responsible for that the superiors have a silly insignificant request, but that's a request and I'm responsible to give it to them. That's part and that's in the book. And, and, and that guy's life, I'm res- so it's like the ultimate in responsibility because it's life and death. And then Peterson is the same thing is, you know, he, he, he you know, stand up straight, right? Put your shoulders back and, 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 and walk and um, uh, d- don't lie or at least tell the truth or treat, you know, make sure your, ki- your kids don't do things that other people don't like or that you don't like. So because if they do things you don't like. Other people won't like it. Very basic, but it all comes down to responsibility and um, and how hard life is, right? Everything's a grind. It, everything's a grind. And so if there's meaning and purpose, I love Peterson's deal, it's not happiness we're after, it's meaning. And, and, and how do we get meaning is we lean into the responsibility. Whether you're a bricklayer, a carpet cleaner, brain scientist, uh, to do it with excellence. And I so I see excellence in both those men in what they read about. You know, we don't know, obviously know them up close or what they write about and talk about. So it's the, the, the responsibility and the excellence factor, which I think every guy can like wicked relate to of, I want to be that guy. He's respected by other men. And I think we want to be respected, would like to have it start in the home first. So we need to lead out, and and they 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 appear to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. I love both those guys. Okay, I'll read it. <laughs> Condensed. So YouTube, my trick is every morning when I'm shaving, you pop on a video, and it's got the rules, hmm. and so you click it, and so you get his version in a conversation. I listen to it on Audible, but then I've reinforced it with so the second time through is with hmm. YouTube. Cool. Hmm. Um, who do you look up to? Besides you Jocko know, and uh, yeah, Jordan so Peterson. actually that's who I wrote down. But I think, um, you know, I was really intrigued on Father's Day when Jim Dealing did the message, pastor at Foothills Christian Church, and um, I think because I know a little background about him and how he how good he is with his grandkids and what you know, and he the guy makes knives for goodness sake, so he's just <laughs> yeah, a I've man's man. This, yeah. He dumpster dies with his grandkids. I mean, he just is a and he just and they love it and it's like. He just has got a clan. He's developed this clan. You know, uh, Mark and Dave for leading out in the church um, and, and loving, loving, you know, and creating this community. Um, I don't know. There's just a bunch of um, people that do these things quietly. Um, they've taken responsibility. They put, you know, one foot in front of the other, and they're making a difference in their community. Mm-hmm. And it's so I'm gonna I'm gonna miss some I I know it but uh, Dan dealing right at the principal uh, you know being the principal of Foothills and and just some of the stuff he does and his heart for kids and there's a lot of and not famous because I don't really know those people the people that I know that are doing things and changing lives are people you walk by at Albertsons yeah, yeah. Um, and what do you look forward to in the future yeah so. Um, I really am praying about my calling. So I know what my career has been transitioning to calling and uh, how to, how to um, be more intentional about that. Really, I want to see the kingdom move uh, in, in and through the workplace. So how I can come along either in my business, the business I work in, or um, alongside with others in business or nonprofits, how to promote things that are worthy causes. So I'm looking forward to doing that as partnering with people and collaborating. Cool. Yeah. So if you could say one thing to the next generation of men, um, what would it be? Figure out how to rise and they, that just, you know, step out and, and lead. I'd say read Peterson's book cause it, it covers it. Hmm. Every box that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, any other questions from you, Jeremy? No, I mean, I think that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we're coming up in time. Chris, thank you so much for yeah, taking the time you. with us. Uh, honestly, I, I mean, I think 
there's, there's a lot of good stuff in there and super appreciate you sharing um, about your life, experience, lessons learned. Um, it's been great having you on. Thanks for having me. And I want to just compliment you guys for doing this and, and putting it out there. And I heard that you just had 1,100 downloads. So mm-hmm. likes and shares and downloads, right, are welcomed yeah. and needed. 1,100 a month. 1,100 a month. Yeah. Thank Congrats you. and good job. Thanks. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you again for listening. You can find all the books that Chris mentioned at cultivateandkeep.com slash favorites. And we have a section just for the books. It's where you can find 12 Rules for Life, Extreme Ownership, other ones that he mentioned, and much, much more. Um, Otherwise, we will talk to you in the next one.